ACC Football Media Days are this week in Charlotte, the unofficial kickoff of the college football season. We'll take a look around the league, and we'll be joined by Virginia Tech coach Brent Pry this week on Teal and Barber. Welcome to episode 84 of Teal and Barber, the Richmond Times-Dispatch and Richmond.com's Virginia Tech, UVA, and ACC sports podcast. I'm Mike Barber, ACC beat writer for the paper, and joining me as always, my co-host, the 14-time sports writer of the year and the Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, David Teal. David, how are you, my friend? Good afternoon, Mike. So uh, the temperature's here. They've been reaching into the 90s. <laughs> Yeah. My family has been uh, spending our free time at the pool and the, and the lake. Are you a are you a hot weather guy? Yeah, I, I'm okay with hot weather. You know, we we lucky enough to have a little pool in the backyard and hang out there. And the little ones at camp where they swim every day, so she likes that. We've been enjoying the sun. I think my wife and I are going to head out to the lake and kayak this afternoon. And awesome. um, yeah, I just got some pictures. You know, it's, it's funny technology these days. Uh, my youngest is in preschool and, and there's an app we use to to sign him in and out and communicate with his teacher. And um, so they send pictures and video through the day of what he's doing. And today is water day at preschool. So uh, we sent him in his bathing suit and, and he's enjoying it. So uh, you make the most of it. It's funny, David, I always feel like whatever season we're in, we hate that extreme temperature, right? Like in the summer, oh, it's just too hot. I can't take the heat. And the winter comes, Oh, I wish it was, I wish it was hot. I wish it was summer again. And, um, so yeah, we we try to make the most and enjoy it. You know, with with the temperatures in the 80s, it certainly doesn't feel this way. But with ACC Media Days coming, it's it's beginning to feel a lot like football, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. And uh, we'll we'll be in Charlotte next week with our media comrades and coaches and three players from from each of the fourteen teams. And from there through early December, it will be all about college football in our little world yeah it'll be interesting to see david in, in charlotte uh if it's all about football or if it's all about very specifically <laughs> the realignment uh the future of the acc the grant of rights i, I imagine that uh that's a topic that's going to dominate things uh in charlotte don't you well if the big 12 media days which are ongoing as we speak are any indication you are 100 percent correct <laughs> <clears throat> because that's what Brett Yormark, the, the incoming commissioner of, of the Big 12, and the outgoing commission, Bob Bowlesby, uh, that was front and center of, of their uh, address to the media and also the questions from reporters. So I believe uh, Jim Phillips will be prepared and it'll be interesting to see just how much he'll reveal. Yeah, well, what's your, and this is just a guess, my guess is, and I hate to use the term whitewash as, as though they're doing something negative, but my guess is we're going to hear everything's fine, the ACC is in a great place, all these schools are committed to each other. Um, is that kind of guess your guess of, of what the, the tone is going to be? Yes, I think it will be very upbeat, although I believe there will at least be a concession uh, or at least... Um, an indication of concern that the USC and UCLA moves uh, are furthering the gap and that the ACC needs to do something on the revenue side. Yeah, I think you have to acknowledge that, right? And we're going to speak with Brent Pry here later in the show, Virginia Tech football coach, and um, we're going to ask him, I'm sure, about that. You know, the idea of, hey, it's not about... <laughs> 
do you want to be part of this big league or this super conference or, or how does your schedule shake? At the end of the day, it's about revenue. It's about that financial gap that that those two conferences, the space they're putting really between themselves and the rest of college football. Can you compete um, when somebody is in line to get $100 million payouts every year and, and you're in the 30 to 40 range? Um, can you make up that revenue? Can you compete anyway? Uh, or do you have to close the gap? And um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it'd be hard to avoid at least that part of the topic uh, for the days we're in Charlotte. No question. And um, you know, Jim Phillips knows it's coming. And they'll be in, in related to all that, Mike, there will be talk, I think, of college football playoff and what, what the future there is. And also just the the need for ACC football to perform better. Uh, you know, last season, the, the first in which the conference was omitted from the college football playoff uh, after seven straight years, one by Florida State and then the next six by Clemson. But they've kind of been out there on an island. The other brands in this conference need to step up. Miami needs to be better. Virginia Tech needs to be better. Florida State needs to get back to its 2013 and 14 form. And Clemson still needs to be good. And it wouldn't hurt if some other folks stepped up, much like Pitt did last year. Yeah, North Carolina State is a good candidate for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's Divisions are going away, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're still here for now. Yes. And it still does feel... It still does feel like uh, the coastal lags behind the the Atlantic. Um, has the gap closed? Uh, what are you expecting from Clemson? Who do you like in both sides of the league? What's your kind of overview of the ACC as we get ready to hear from all these coaches and players? Like, I think if you look at returning talent, at least two, maybe three of the best teams in the ACC reside in the Atlantic. In, in my mind, that would be Clemson and NC State and arguably Wake Forest. Uh, on on the coastal side, and I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to be in the minority here when the ACC poll is released, Jordan Addison's transfer to Southern California notwithstanding, I still like Pitt. Uh, I think Miami is perhaps the more likely choice uh, of of the the media in Charlotte to, to win the coastal, um, but you know even with Addison gone, Pitt returns thirteen players who made at least honorable mention All ACC hmm. last year. That's a pretty good core now. It, it sure is, but but they don't return eighteen year starting quarterback Kenny Pickett. <laughs> I, I kid, but Kenny Pickett felt like he was at Pittsburgh forever and, and obviously blossomed into a great player. Um, there are, though, a lot of quarterbacks back, uh, marquee names, and, and certainly we're going to talk a ton about Brennan Armstrong, uh, the numbers he put up last year for Virginia. What can he do this year? But David, Brennan Armstrong is just one of, of yeah. a group of talented quarterbacks that, that in many ways I think will, will define uh, the league this year. Much like last season, right? Yep. I mean, the, the, the quarterback room w- w- was so good in 2021, and Mike, I was doing a little number crunching for a piece I'm doing for Sunday just on my ballot for preseason all ACC and predicted order of finish. And there are 13 quarterbacks returning in the bowl subdivision who averaged at least 270 yards passing last season. Of those 13, five will play in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now, here's my question to you. Can you name those five? 
I wonder if I can. Uh, certainly Brennan Armstrong, uh, yep. Devin Leary. Yep. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. Yep. Um, I see now Phil Dracovic at Boston College. I know he missed time. Is, is yes, he? So not Dracovic. So he's not on our list. Uh, Sam Hartman at Wake. Yes. The fifth one is the one you're not going to get. This was this was a good trivia question because I don't know. Uh, the fifth one, I think I'm stumped. I don't think the kid at Florida State did it. Nope. Um, Grant Wells. Oh, <laughs> you hit me with the trick question in a way then, didn't you? <laughs> yes. No, that's good though. And, and we'll talk about Grant, uh, the, the Marshall transfer when, when we have Coach Pry join us. But um, that's an interesting point that, that he was that level uh, of productive during his time at Marshall. 270 yards a game last season. Yeah. So we, we just named five pretty good experienced quarterbacks and didn't mention uh, Cunningham at Louisville. Right. Right. So, Who only league- accounted for 39 touchdowns last year, <laughs> either rushing or passing. I mean, he's just a super talent. And then yeah. some of the transfers, and you know, I joked about Kenny Pickett being gone at Pitt, but Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh feels like they're pretty good at that spot still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think they will be. And then, you know, does DJ Uyungle be, become that five-star guy at, at, at Clemson. Um, you know, I, I think if he does, I think the Tigers are going to be lights out. Yeah, and for anybody who was curious, yeah, David is in, in preseason. We're here in the preseason, but he's in mid-season form pronouncing that name. So <laughs> nicely done, partner. Uh, how about how about the locals, the Commonwealth schools, Virginia and Virginia Tech? Uh, let, let's start with the who's. We said Brandon Armstrong's name three or four times already, but you know the problem, right? The question is, yeah. how are they going to protect him? What are you expecting from the Cavaliers in, in year one under Tony Elliott? I think they should be better on the defensive side, Mike, than they were a year ago when they were poor is charitable to describe UVA's defense last year. I think they they, they should be better in 2021, huh? and they they need to be if Virginia's going to return to to bowl eligibility. Uh, in doing my ballot, I don't have Virginia or Virginia Tech in the top three of the coastal. I don't know what what yours will look like, or even if you've noodled it that much. I've I've noodled it en- enough to know I agree with you there. Um, yeah, I've got yeah. I've got Pitt, Miami. Carolina, and I know Carolina lost some dudes on the offensive side, but in my mind, it is a put up or shut up year for the Tar Heels. You know, all this chatter about how well Mac Brown is recruited. All right, well, it's time to show it on the field, fellas. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. They 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 do lose a lot of skill guys, but like David just said, like you said, I mean, they've been bringing in skill guys for a couple of years now under Mac, and they should be ready, right? Uh, uh, we know he can recruit. We believe he can develop. If if he can, uh, they should be able to reload. So yeah, I've, I've got. Um, I actually go Miami, Pitt, Carolina, Virginia Tech, at, at, then Virginia is my order. At least <laughs> I haven't submitted anything, so I'm not bound yeah, to that. I, but, <laughs> I, I did the same thing. I've got Virginia Tech four, UVA five, and then Georgia Tech and Duke. Yeah, I think that there's some work to be done there for those bottom teams. Uh, real quickly, let's talk about the Hokies because our guest coming up, he, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna know a thing or two about <laughs> that team. But but before Brent can hear what we're saying about his group, uh, what's your outlook here for Virginia Tech? You mentioned Wells. Obviously, it seems like uh, his success and or failure will will dictate a lot of what they're able to do. What are you looking at for the Hokies? 
do Malachi Holston and, or excuse me, Malachi Thomas and Jalen Holston. <laughs> maybe, maybe I thought it was a Bradgelina. I, I, I might be on to something, or, or they might be on to something. But if, if, if those two combined can shore up that running back spot, if they can find some complementary receivers uh, to to Caleb Smith, who's who's going to be one of the players that Virginia Tech brings to the kickoff in Charlotte, and if they can find some depth on the offensive line, then you know that's a lot of ifs. Then you know maybe they're they're a touch better than than last season. And then on the defensive side, man, they got to find an edge rusher. They got to find somebody who can get after the quarterback. Yeah, they were at their best last season. I think about that that opening win against Carolina um, and Amari Barno and how disruptive he was. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 need that kind of an impact, that kind of a force. Um, it, it can't just be about doing your job. It's got to be about being disruptive. Um, I'm very curious to watch. Brent Price team play on defense uh, because he's a defensive guy exactly. uh, because he's got the ties to to Bud Foster and to what was done in the past. I, I'm I'm very interested to see uh, what kind of a unit he makes that what what part of this program's identity uh, that that defense becomes. I think the things we said <laughs> at the end of spring, nothing's changed, right? Yeah. Like Virginia Tech's starting lineup, I think is pretty good and and can compete. Um, and if some things come together, maybe compete to, to move themselves up from where we're picking them in the division standings. If they have to dip into that depth, we have serious questions on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, what does this program have? What has it developed in the way of depth? And uh, you and I don't know, but our our next guest, I think he might have <laughs> he might have an idea of what they've got in the pipeline there. Well, we're very happy now to be joined by Virginia Tech football coach Brent Pry from taking a little breakout from a family vacation, which we, we appreciate. Coach, great to see you. You too, man. I, I appreciate the time. It's it's good to to be talking about Virginia Tech football, so let's do it. Well, Brent, you're, you're eight months on the job, and we want to kind of get a feel for, for how things have gone as you try to establish your program, put your stamp uh, on Virginia Tech football. So I'll, I'll start with a pretty open-ended question here. Where would you say you are in that process? And and as a first-time head coach, are, are things progressing kind of the way you envisioned? Yeah, I, I'm pleased right now. You know, we, we've got a ton of work to do. I always feel like that in the offseason. You have a vision for where things need to be and improvements that need to happen. But what you want to see is a, 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 a healthy culture, which I think we have. I know we have. You want to see guys that are competing and working at a high level, and we have that. Um, we've got some good players. We just need more. You know, we've got good players, but we need more. Um, you know, so we we break it down into phases, right? When we first got here, it was the winter phase, finding out what these guys were made of. Started off rough, and uh, by the end of it, felt significantly better. Spring ball, phase two. First couple of days, I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, fundamentally, where are we? By the end of spring, feel pretty good. And uh, summer, you know, those first runs and agilities and, you know, so it's the summer's going the way we hoped it would, and, and it's 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 going to finish strong, I believe. And, and then phase four is camp, and we have to have a great camp. I mean, you, know, you just you identify areas where you have to improve, where you have to get better with your roster and uh, with your scheme, with your plan. And so you know, you come up with how do we do that, and then you got to see it happen. You got to see guys in, improve on weaknesses. 
You know, you got to feel better about execution. You got to feel better about maybe it's weight gain. Maybe it's strength gain. Maybe it's speed. Maybe it's agility. You know, just areas that you work on in all those four phases leading up to September. So I feel good about where we think where we are, you know, what we're working with. Um, I think recruiting's gone well. I'm pleased to this point. Obviously, you always want to win more battles. But what's important to me, what I've learned over the years, is worry about the ones you got, the ones that, that are coming, that want to be there. We want guys to come to Tech for the right reason, because they love what we have to offer and what we're about. And if they choose somewhere else, and we've had a fair shake to have them know what we're about, and they choose somewhere else, well, then that's probably the right thing. I don't want to transfer portal with that kid in a year, <laughs> right? If you come to Tech, this is what, you, this is what you're going to get, what you're signing up for. And uh, so I think we've done a good job there. I know this. We've we've got our name back out there. We got people talking about Virginia Tech football. We got people excited about it. We got recruits talking about it. We got high school coaches happy to have us back in their schools. We got Letterman excited. We got the community excited. So it's hard to not feel good about the progress we've made. We just got a lot of work to do to get where we want to be. Brent, you you mentioned recruiting. If my math is correct, seven of your 15 commitments to date are from in-state prospects. Obviously, you can't discuss specific players, but just in a general basis, seven of 15 is a pretty good ratio in-state. Yeah, we want to be there, you know, and that's the thing is this. You can't just decide you're going to take a bunch of in-state guys and take the wrong ones, you know, but the plan is if you invest in these schools and invest in these coaches and invest in those communities, you're going to know more about these kids than anybody else. We should know more about every player in the state of Virginia than North Carolina or Penn state. We should know about them first and we should know more about them. So it may be a guy that's under the radar, a no star guy that we feel pretty daggone good about and they don't know yet. Right. So we get him in the boat, we get him in the fold, or maybe we, recruiting the heck out of me. We're out there in front. That's how it happens. That's how you end up with the, it's the investment and the emphasis where you put it and we're putting it in the state. So the return should come from the state. Um, now I'm not disregarding our footprint. I think we got a great footprint and we're going to do good work there. South Carolina, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we can do that, but, uh, you know, Virginia is going to be where it's at for us. It's interesting. You, you mentioned what you put in, what you invest in recruiting. And we just saw Virginia Tech announce some additions to your staff. And yeah, I go back to when you were hired and you told us, you know, you said you had an army in the facility at Penn State. <laughs> you didn't know if that was right for Virginia Tech or what was yeah. now that you've been on the job. What is right for Virginia Tech? How big does that does that army, that brigade? <laughs> what does Brent Pry need to get Virginia Tech where you want it to be? Yeah, I mean, it, I know this. As you dive into the situation and you start living in the world of Virginia Tech football, it's different than Penn State football. The universities are different. The community's different. Uh, the players are different. So what our needs are here, some of it aligns, some of it doesn't. Um, you know, with its support from the administration, where it lies, what it looks like versus, you know, the way it was at Penn State. And so there's a lot of variables. But um you know, I want to make sure that what's important to me is when I look at our players and our team, where are we not supporting them where we need to? Where do we need additional staff to do what we need to do? When I look at recruiting, where do we need additional staff to take care of what we need to, to, to do it the way we know we need to do it? So, you know, it's not about X number or this or that. You know, maybe we got 
you know, maybe we're down a staff member in a certain department compared to Penn State, but the guys we got are really strong and I feel comfortable with. Um, you know, creative media, recruiting, developing and and the care and concern for our football team, helping those guys navigate day-to-day life as a college student athlete, um, making sure that we're giving them the resources that we can give them the time. Um, that's important. And then I want assistance for our staff. We got, I, I believe we got the best staff in the country, and, and I want these guys to have the resources and the additional staffing they need to prepare, develop, and coach the way they need to coach. So, you know, to me, you got to live in that world to really know, right? I wasn't going to come in here and say, hey, we got to do this, this, this. We had a pretty good plan, but let's live in the space, right? Just like when you buy a house, what do you really want to, what, what, what kind of furniture do you want in it? What, you know, you got to kind of live in it and, and see what's right. Um, so that's, you know, that's an ongoing process to me. So do you feel comfortable then, Brent, with your current staffing levels after today's announcement? Yeah, I feel good about where we're at right now heading into the fall. Um, I've already earmarked a couple of possible areas where we could grow our staff. Um, but, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, you know, I'm not standing on a table for that right now. I think what, what we have going into this fall is what we need as we continue to grow and have success. Um, you know, there may be some demands in some other places. Uh, did, did I read correctly that one of the guys you added not only played football for you at Penn State, but was a, a championship wrestler? Yep. Yeah. He's got an amazing story. I encourage you guys to reach out to him. He's He was a walk-on uh, middle linebacker that really had a journeyman career that led him to, to being a two-time starter, two-year starter, captain, honorable mention, All-American. Um, as a freshman, we were registering him. And... Uh, Kale Sanderson walks into the office to James and I and says, hey, I just lost my heavyweight wrestler for the season. It's like week five or six of the football season. He says, I just lost him for the wrestling season. And you got a guy, I don't even know if y'all know, on your team that was a two-time state champion in the state of Pennsylvania. He goes, I just need him to come out and not get pinned. I don't want to give up six points every match. So we put it on Jan, and he wanted to do it. He's that kind of kid. He gained a little weight. I think he got up to 250. And he wrestled heavyweight. He got pinned one time. And he said it's because he was trying to roll on a big guy and got stuck. Um, and they won a team national championship. You know, then when it was over, he came back out and joined us. So, But uh, he got a great story. He ended up tearing his ACL, played tight end for a whole, whole fall and as a scout teamer and comes back and wins the middle linebacker job. So happy to have him with us. And, and you and James were in no position to say no to Kale Sanderson. That's yeah. not a fair fight. No. No, if Kale wanted something, we wanted to oblige. <laughs> he didn't say much, but he didn't have to. So, Coach, we're we're interested. You know, this is your first go around now as a head coach, but you've been in this game for your whole life, essentially, and, and yeah. you've had role models, and you know, with your dad and everybody else, that, that you've kind of always seen how it works. I know it's always changing. Um, how prepared do you feel like you were for what is now the job of being the Virginia Tech football coach? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I do think because I've been around football my whole life, right? I've, I've been in the car with a thousand conversations with my dad. He's talking to recruits. He's talking to other coaches. You know, I've been at a thousand practices with him at the high school level, at the college level. I mean, just, you know, it just becomes, you know, part of your fabric. And, um, and then, you know, I go to Western Carolina 
Bill Blau is a first-time head coach. I go to Louisiana Lafayette. Ricky Bustle is a first-time head coach. You know, then I go to Memphis. Tommy West had been a head coach. Then I go, I go to Georgia Southern with Jeff Munkin, first-time head coach. I go to Vanderbilt with James Franklin, first-time head coach. So there are a lot of those conversations, you know, I've been on one end or the other of it. And uh, so I feel pretty comfortable. There's not a lot happening that uh, that I don't feel like you know, I have some knowledge about and some experience with to navigate it. NIL, probably at the top of my list every day, you know, transfer portal. You know, those are new things that I didn't have 30 years of experience with. Um, so, I'm, you know, just like everybody else, navigating that uh, is probably the one area that, you know, I scratch my head over. You know, the rest of it, you know, I'm not saying there's not issues and problems and tough discussions, but I feel good about it. Virginia Tech is affiliated with several collectives. Do you feel comfortable where you all are uh, with NIL? And how much does it come up when you speak with prospects and their families? Yeah, I, I, I think for the current position, I think we're in good shape. I think we'll be competitive this fall. I think uh, we'll have a team that feels like that. I think moving forward, we're going to continue to 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 need to be more aggressive and to grow, um, you know, to go where we want to go, to compete for championships, it's going to be required. Again, I don't want guys to come or choose or stay at Virginia Tech because of NIL, but I don't want to lose guys because of it. I want to be competitive enough that it doesn't, uh, you know, weigh so much on a family that, that they can't choose Tech. You know, I want guys to want to be here for the right reasons, whether it's a, a member of our football team or to recruit. But, it, but at the same time, NIL is going to be important in certain conversations, and I want to be able to be competitive there. And right now we are, but I think those demands will grow. And I think we have a really, really good group behind us. So, and I think Witt's done a great job, John Dooley. I think uh, you know we've got some good collectives that I think are, are eager and anxious and ready to grow. You mentioned that's one of the the new challenges to navigate, and um, I guess the big one, <laughs> the big one this summer, this off season has been the ACC, the realignment across the the country, the talk of what's going to happen with the ACC. Uh, Brent, you're you're more in it than we are, so <laughs> t- take us into your mind when you see everything happening. Is this good for college football? What's your reaction to kind of the seismic changes we're seeing right now? Yeah, I think it's good. Um... You know, obviously, I, I look at it through Virginia Tech's eyes. And, um, you know, I love, you know, our presidents in this league and our athletic directors are very engaged. Um, you know, our commissioner, I, I'm very impressed with. Um, he, you know, he did a great job in our ACC meetings this year. He did it. He came and spoke to our entire staff on our staff retreat and uh, was, you know, just has done a great job. So a lot of confidence and our presidents, and our ADs, and our commissioner. Um, I think we've got a very competitive league. I I like the ACC brand. Um, I think from academics to what the footprint really looks like, to the cities that are involved with our schools, to our weather, to our rivalries, the combination of all that, I think, lends well for the ACC. Um, You know, obviously, that's above my pay grade, the decisions that are being made. But, you know, I think we've got the right people in the right places. Does the revenue gap, Brent, concern you at, at all, especially now that your old conference, the Big Ten, has has taken USC and UCLA from, from the L.A. market? 
Uh, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be miles ahead of everyone uh, financially. Is 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 money that big of a deal when you're when you're trying to win? Again, it, it it's part of it, right? I think you know it's it's all of the information together, all the facets together that allow you to win. It's not any one thing, right? It's not any one thing. People always say that, right? I mean, if, if it was about just money, Texas would win the national championship every year. Exactly. If it was about just players, LSU should win it every year. You know, if it was just just coaching, say whatever, say Nick Saban. You know, if it was you know high energy, if it was location, Miami. If it was you know, so it's a lot of things, and that's why I feel like at Virginia Tech we offer a lot. I think the ACC offers a lot, but again, just like our conversation about NIL, the ACC's got to be competitive enough. There can't be a gap that's so large that, you know, so I think it'll be interesting to see where all that plays out, you know, but uh, I think, you know, that that's, that's, that's my thoughts on it. You know, we got to be competitive enough. I think we got the people, you know, the right people in place to keep pushing it that direction. Are you excited from the, some of those classic big 10 matchups with USC, <laughs> that classic <laughs> big 10 country out there on the West coast? <laughs> you know, I, I'm, you know, for me, I honestly, I love the geography in the ACC. I love it. And that's what I mean. You want to go play in Wisconsin and Iowa? And if you do, great. You want to go travel to the West Coast and play? Do you want to? It's a lot harder. You know, you got so many good cities in our league that your family can travel to to see you play, that you can experience these places. You got great weather. Um, you got really good rivalries. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, for me as the coach, do I want to travel to to USC and play? No, I don't. You know, do I want to do that? Did, did I like going and playing in in ten degree weather? I personally didn't. Um, so you know, for me, that's what I mean. It's it's again, it's not right for everybody. You know, some people aren't going to mind. Some people are going to want that. But the the folks that want to you know want what the ACC has to offer and what Virginia Tech has to offer, those are the ones we'll be attracted to. You bring up the rivalries, and we did just see it was the big news before the USC UCLA news. Uh, the new schedule, uh, the way that works, the three five five. Yep. Uh, the first thing I thought when I saw no Miami, I thought back again to your intro press conference where you talked about that ninety five game. Yeah. Um, was there a part of you that was a little bummed that the Hurricanes aren't part of that permanent rivalry there? I don't know. It was hard. You know, I, I think that matchup is, you know, it's special to me, it's special to a lot of Virginia Tech faithful. Um, but also, no, I, I like the setup that, you know, if somebody comes to Virginia Tech, you're going to play Miami twice. You're here four years, you're going to play him twice. And uh, you know, I think that's, you know, would I like to play him every four years? You know, I don't know. You know, to me, it's a little bit how good you're feeling about your team and feeling about that team. And from a rivalry standpoint, and just a competitive, the nature of the games over the years, I think they're classic. But, uh, you know, I'm good with the schedule model. Brent, you mentioned earlier in, in passing <clears throat> that Jim Phillips had come to your staff retreat. Uh, what were those two days like in, in Bristol? And how important was you mentioned also culture earlier? And I think most of us think of culture, we think of the players. But in terms of building a culture among your staff members, how important were those two days in Bristol? Yeah, well, I think, you know, first of all, your staff is your biggest culture driver in the building. And so if the narrative and the language isn't right with your staff and the culture is not right with your staff, I don't know how that permeates to your team. If your D-line coach has a different message than what you want or your wide receiver coach 
as much time as they spend with their group in the meetings at their in their home on the practice field. So the, the narrative, the language, the messaging that's coming from us needs to be the same. We've got to be on the same page as the staff. Uh, we have to have great chemistry. You know, that retreat wasn't just about, you know, establishing our message and our beliefs and our values. It was also about fellowship and getting to know each other better and building relationships among our staff. Because uh, there's, you know, just like we tell our team, there's going to be, there's hard conversations as our, within our staff. We have to trust one another and we have to be able to, to work to get better and solve problems and constructive criticism. And so, you know, to me, the staff retreats, it's, it's messaging, it's culture, it's fellowship, it's unity. You know, you come out of there, you should have a closer group. And I feel like we did. And you're more ready, more prepared to drive the culture across your football program. Brent, at the beginning of this interview, I asked you kind of about how things were progressing and you talked about the different phases and you're about to head into that next phase, right, camp? So I can't let you go without asking a couple uh, X's and O's and roster questions. Uh, As you get ready for camp, what are the biggest areas of uh, concern always has such a negative connotation? Where are the biggest question marks, the things you're most curious to see uh, how you look when you get to camp? I, I think a couple of things, you know, obviously that we're playing well at quarterback. I think we can, but I think we need to play well there. And and I want to see us do that. I think depth on the offensive line is important to me. It's one of the things on my mind. Uh, developing some additional receivers. You know, I think Caleb and, and Lofton did that this spring. Got to see more guys do it. We, we need a couple we need, we need a couple guys to step up there. The role that Connor Blumrick has, you know, is it significant? Is it working? Does it work for him? Does it work for us? Um, I, I'd like to see a running back or two really establish themselves. Uh, I think that's important. I think we need defensively. We've, we've got to create more situations where guys are in one-on-ones up front, and we got to win more of them. we got to create one-on-ones, and we got to win more of them. I want to see that happen. I think from a personnel standpoint at linebacker, we got to figure out who those outside linebackers are. You know, what's the best combination to win with? Um, you know, I got to, you know, and then in the secondary, again, I feel really, I feel pretty good about the first group. I think we got established depth there. So those are the things unit by unit that I'm looking for in preseason camp, you know, to, to be able to answer those questions and not feel that way. Say, yeah, man, oh, this guy at corner stepped up, this guy at safety stepped up, man, we really, you know, we're, our pass rush and these one-on-ones getting so much better. You know, somebody emerges. We need a little depth on the O-line. We had a couple guys that had a great summer and then really impressed us in camp. You know, those are the things that you need to have happen. At midseason last year, Malachi Thomas looked like that bell cow running back. In your mind, is he the most likely candidate to emerge at that position? Um, I can't say that. I think he's got some great tools. I really do. Um, I think if we were if we were starting and we were playing tonight, he would take the field first, and uh, Holston would be a, a close second. Um, but you know, I, I want to see more from Malachi. I want to see him have a great camp. He's had a great summer. He was he was uh, he had a, a minor injury in the spring that that kind of weighed him down a little bit. Didn't let him have his do his best. But I think um, you know, I'd love to see. You know, like I said, I want to see two backs really step up and make it hard for us. Which one goes out first? You know, I'm not looking. At, I'm not that interested in four backs that you know we all we like them all, but we don't love any of them. I mean, we got to be better than that. 
you're, you're going to see us here in a, in a not too long in Charlotte for ACC media yeah. days. And you got a, a trio of guys coming with you. I want to ask you, you got Caleb Smith at receiver coming with you. You got Silas Zanzi, a veteran on the offensive line. I want to ask you about Dax Holyfield, though. He had a, a, a real close relationship, obviously, with Coach Foster, uh, Bud Foster, um, and, and then some of the previous coaches. And he's an interesting guy. He's a big personality. Uh, what's been your kind of early relationship here with, with Dax? And, and how do you like him? <laughs> no, I love Dax. I think he's got all the traits that you're looking for in a middle linebacker, <clears throat> in a captain of your defense, um, all the intangibles. Uh, he's a worker. He's smart. He's charismatic. He's tough. Um, you know, we've got some fundamental things that that we've talked with him about that we worked on this winter, spring, and summer uh, to continue to improve his game. Um, that where you know, again, where we feel like this guy is is reaching all of his potential and then some. But I love Dax. Brent, I fear that we have violated the sports writer code by going this long without asking about Grant Wells at quarterback. Has he, in your mind, built upon the momentum that we noticed in the spring game? Yeah, I think so. He's had a great summer. He's really changed his body. He's leaned up. I looked out there the other day. I, I thought it was a safety or an outside backer. I mean, he had his shirt off. He was all cut up and muscled up. I was like, dang, oh, that's Grant. So he and Jason are some of our best workers. You know, all them guys, Todd's Bullock's a great worker. So um, he's uh, Grant's, you know, positioning himself, uh, doing all the right things. Uh, you know, I'm excited about it. Well, Coach, uh, again, I, I mentioned you're going to see us here not too long from yeah. now, Charlotte. So we've probably taken up enough of your family vacation. I hope you enjoy yourself. And, and uh, we really appreciate you taking some time out to talk about the state of the Hokies program. I'm glad to do it, guys. Good to see you, too. Always want to help talk Virginia Tech football. And if you ever have things that are concerning or you want to know about, get to me, please. Um, I want to be as transparent as I can be. And that's whether we win by 50 or lose by 50. I mean, you know, I think if we want everybody to help us do this and the message to be true and genuine, we got to be transparent. And I'm going to do that. So Thanks, appreciate We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Well, that was a lot of fun, David, getting get it chat with coach here and uh, looking forward to, to spending more time with him and his team during this season, Tony Elliott uh, and his team looking forward to seeing what they do. Uh, yeah, it's hot outside, but it's a, it's a fun time of year to start thinking about football. I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, in Charlotte, my friend. Absolutely. And but, but just another shout out to, to Brent Pry for doing, for doing that interview while on vacation with, with his family. That was, that was very nice. Yeah, first class we do. We appreciate the time and we, we hope that uh, he got right back to enjoying some, yes. <laughs> some fun in the sun. After, <laughs> Some more important things. Yeah. After wasting 30 minutes with, with us two clowns, but uh, no, uh, Thank you to Brent Pry for joining us. Thank you to Virginia Tech uh, and Carter Brown for getting that set up. And thank you all for listening. You can subscribe to Teal and Barber on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite pods. And please consider supporting local journalism with an online subscription to the TD. You can find special promotional offers available at richmond.com. Today's show was produced by Dean Hoffmeyer. Teal and Barber is a podcast of the Richmond Times-Dispatch and richmond.com. For David Teal, I'm Mike Barber. Thanks for listening. Be healthy and safe. And please join David and me again next time.